0: Well, forgive me, I spent a, a good portion of this week either in the hospital or convalescing from something called diverticulitis, which is a... Yeah, okay, so you've had it, or you know it too. It's a, a painful irritation, uh, under, under, uh, underscore, or uh, um, underestimating that, I think. And in my case, it turned out to be an infection of the lower gut. So I apologize if this uh, sermon is more off the cuff than than, than usual. Um, I'm still pretty uh, pumped through with antibiotics and everything, um, today's gospel reading from Matthew builds on last week's. And last week it was the parable of the foolish and the wise maidens. And this week we have the parable of the talents. Now both parables can be read as a description of the state of the church, not as it was back then, but as a state, as this, of, the state of the church as it will be at the second coming of Jesus Christ. It, these parables therefore are prophetic. Jesus is telling us how he expects to find the church at the end of the ages, and it's a pretty mixed lot, isn't it? Five of the, of the bridesmaids last week fell asleep and hadn't bothered to fill their lamps with oil, and so they didn't realize when the bridegroom was coming, and, and here we have uh, the story of three different servants who react in very different ways to what their master has given them. Some of those uh, servants double the value of what their master has given them. And they are found worthy like the wise maidens last week of entering into the banquet, uh, a place of joy, entering into their master's joy. Others like the foolish maidens and the one servant who buried his talent will face judgment. And the punishment, as foretold, will be severe. In the case of the foolish maidens, Jesus denies ever knowing them. Imagine that. Imagine, Jesus, imagine hearing Jesus say, I don't know who you are. Uh, you're not welcome in this banquet. And in the case of, case of the servant who did nothing with his talent but bury it, he's cast into the outer darkness, which is described as a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, a place of eternal regret. And so the message of both this week and last week is clear. Use the time of this short mortal life to prepare for your eternal life. Today's parable makes it plain that we will either spend our eternal lives in joy or in sorrow. That thought alone is enough for me to put down my iPhone and pick up my Bible. The time is now for us to get to know the Lord and his ways, because once we die, we will no longer have that opportunity. Moreover, we do not know how long we, will have, how long we have left. All we know is that we have this moment. Paul warns us in his letter today from 1 Thessalonians that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And so it was for me this past week. The pain in my abdomen came in the middle of the night, and by morning, I was watching the IV drip into me. This is my last Sunday preaching to you from this pulpit. And like most of the texts that I've preached on, this reading has a heavy dose of law and grace. Now the law in this passage is that you really must do something with this life that God has given you. You will be held accountable for all the things done and left undone. And the grace is that for all your efforts, it is God who gives the increase and he will cover all your losses. Now that is where faith comes in. The first two servants have faith that God will multiply their efforts The last servant doubts anything good can come of this talent his master has given him. He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. These are words of ungratefulness from the lips of a dying man. You gave me this life. I did nothing with it here. Have it back. Have what is yours. But at least this dying man can acknowledge that life comes from God. In our godless age, few even realize or recognize that much. Life, all life comes from God. Let me now, for the last time, as your pastor preach the good word to you, the good word of the gospel to you. Paul writes in First Thessalonians, for God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we, w- we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And I've preached to you many times about the joy and the comfort that is found in that word destined. Sometimes it's predestined, it's a doctrine of the church, that God has chosen us. And we do not choose him, he chooses us, and in that is the guarantee of our salvation because God's choice is irrevocable, our choices are fickle. The proof is in the very talents of your lives. It is said that a talent was worth 20 years wages, therefore our lives are of great value and they are given to us freely. Not one of us ever chose to be born not one of us made that decision. Our lives are a gift given to us by God. And so we are to spend, those, spend our lives in God's service. But sin and the devil oppose us. They make us doubt God's goodness. Doubt does not come from God. Doubt is unbelief, and unbelief is sin. If you do not fully understand your faith, then you're in good company. But if you willfully doubt your faith, If you doubt the talent you're holding in your hand, then you are the servant who went and buried it. Nevertheless, Christ died for us, which means he died to defeat the devil and the doubt that the devil sows and the sin which destroys our lives. The good news is it's still not too late for any of you who may have buried your talents to dig them back up and put them to good use in the Lord's service. And now let me give you my final words of application and exhortation. My first word is this. It ought to be familiar to you by now. Read your Bibles. In an age where everything is now faked or framed to one degree or another, the Bible alone remains true. It is not fake. It is the God-inspired frame for understanding everything in the world and about the world because the world was created by God. Second, do not love the world or the things in the world. I thought when I first came here that I might find it difficult to preach the joys of the life of the world to come to a people who have much to enjoy in this life. But all this is passing away. That is why Jesus and Paul say, the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. All of this will be stolen from you including the very breath you breathe. Avail yourselves while you still can of the treasure that cannot be stolen. Third, teach the next generation to be Christian. In the past, the church has been persecuted as it was under the Roman emperors. It has been wiped off the map as it was in North Africa during the Muslim conquest, but this may be the first generation where the church dies because Christian parents did not rear their children in the knowledge and love of the Lord. Where are the children? Parents, you have been given not just your own talents, but the talents of your children. Do not bury them. And now I ask you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. O God of unchangeable power and eternal light, look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred mystery By the effectual working of your providence, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world see and know that things which were cast down are being raised up and things which had grown old are being made new and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord